Let's talk about how to keep your email out of the dreaded spam folder. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. This episode is brought to you by Vocation Conference. This coming February 2023, take a trip to the heart of the Caribbean to learn about the business of the voiceover business. Sounds like a dream come true, right? To find out more, visit vocationconference.com. That's vocationconference.com. Hi, I'm Karen Gilfrey, co-chair of the Vocation Conference. And this year, we're all heading down to Cancun. Vocation is the only conference completely dedicated to the business side of voice acting. You'll learn all about running your voiceover business like a pro with experts like Dave Finoy, Maria Pendolino, Tracy Lindley, Tina Marasco, and so many more. And the best part? Vocation Cancun takes place at Moon Palace Cancun, a top-rated, all-inclusive resort. We hope you'll join us and take your business to the next level. For more info, visit vocationconference.com. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. Hello and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Here we go with another episode filled with actionable, practical advice that is going to help you to grow your voiceover business. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, this episode is going to get a little technical at times, but this is information that you need to know. And I think that Brad has done an amazing job of breaking it down in a way that we can understand. If you are afraid that your emails are landing in spam, or if you just want to make sure that your emails aren't going to land in spam, keep listening. When it comes to email marketing, the one thing keeping more voice actors up at night than any other aspect of the task is whether or not their emails are landing in spam. So we we track our opens, we track our clicks, we, we track all of the metrics, but when the numbers aren't what we want to see, we immediately begin stressing over whether or not the emails are even landing in the inbox. And so to help us figure all of that out and to give us some tips on how to improve our odds of hitting the inbox versus the spam folder is Brad Newman of Upper Level Hosting. Welcome back to the show, Brad. I, I'm thinking you might be the first repeat guest that I've actually had. Oh, maybe, maybe Jay Michael. So you're, right. you're right up there. You and Jay Michael, I think, are the only two repeat guests I've ever had on the show. All right. So uh, I'll take those honors. I'll buy that for a dollar. And like and that. and honestly, I could probably do about seven more episodes with you, too, because you're a smart guy and you know everything about everything on the on the computer and tech side. And so, you know, I'm sure there will be more to come in the future. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. You as well. Uh, I'm thinking uh, maybe we should just uh, start another podcast or flip this one where it's just you and I and we just like, you know, hammer it out every week. Yeah, we just talk about the tech stuff that I don't understand, but I have all of the questions and you have all of the answers. And so then uh, we, we get a good episode out of it. <laughs> and you got all the amazing editing skills and the the orange M&M that gives you the juice behind you. Like it's it comes true. from in yes, here, man. It comes I do. from in here. <laughs> all right. It. So let's start with a basic explanation of the dreaded spam folder. Is, is it someplace we end up due to poor practices? Is it someplace we get sent probably for similar reasons. It's it, it's like the, the principal's office of your email inbox. What is the spam folder? 
So when you send mail, the obvious thing that you're looking for is for it to be not only delivered, but for it to be read. That's the end goal of mail that's sent. And if you're landing in the spam folder, you're reducing the chance of that being read because it isn't going to their primary location or their inbox to read the message. And then it has to compete with all these different layers of how they're gonna classify spam. Some are in the spam folder, some are not deliverable at all. Some have a warning that they could be malicious or phishing. At the end of the day, you're putting multiple obstacles in the way of someone reading your message, which is the primary point. So you just don't want to be there. And yet somehow it's funny. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I find and maybe it's a Gmail thing. I don't know. Half the time, the messages that I want to end up in spam seem like they don't end up in spam. And the messages that I'm actually looking for, that I actually want in my inbox, they seem to be the ones that do land in spam, which is incredibly frustrating. What's up with that? Ironically, the reason that they're landing in spam are probably not your issue. They're based on how the sender has their mail set up and... That can be a little complicated, but there's two sides, basically. There's how the server has things set up, which your host or email provider should be doing for you. Then there's how you set that up in an application that you're going to access it. What's happening when those people go to your spam is the host or the actual email provider doesn't have everything set up on the server end correctly because they leave some of that, I don't know why, for you to do. And if you don't do it and you don't know that it needs to be done, um, then that starts to lead into email deliverability problems. As far as the spam in your inbox you don't want there, that's somebody that's doing a good job in delivering their message. You may not want to see it, but they're doing everything right to make sure that it gets read and lands into your primary inbox. So basically, everybody else needs to do what those people that are landing in your inbox need to do uh, to get there. And they need to really uh, make sure that their stuff is set up correctly to solve that deliverability problem. So... If I'm understanding correctly, then email is not specifically plug and play in all cases. Then it's not just simply a matter of, you know, if you're using Mac mail or you're using Outlook, I guess, on Windows, we think that we just type in our email address, type in our password. That's all we need to do. And we're good to go. Is that not necessarily the case then? There's other stuff that's going on. That is not the case at all. Okay. That is not the case at all. Okay. Um, So... If you take away all of those third-party devices you just mentioned, so your iOS mail app, your Apple mail app, uh, Outlook, anything that you're checking mail on, okay. and if you were to go straight to a web mail or straight to a browser tab like you would check a Gmail, right? Mm-hmm. That is interacting directly with the server. It's acting as just a display to show you the mail and everything else is being processed on the server side. So if you think about that, you can send and receive mail just in that browser tab, right? Yeah. So all of those settings are on the server side of things and they should be set up correctly. Gmail is set up correctly out of the box because Google knows you're gonna use this at gmail.com. Right. So they can set all those things up for that domain, that's Gmail. But when you're using your own personal domain, Google doesn't necessarily know that. They don't know what the domain is. They don't know what your host provider um, has set for you. So you're trying to marry 
your Google Workspace, um, which is your business version of your Gmail. That's your at domain.com. Yep. So mine might be brad at upperlevelhosting.com. Okay. Um, you can use Google Workspace for that, which is a business-grade email platform, or you can use a Microsoft product or 15 different other products. But the bottom line is you're taking that mail service and you're trying to use it with your personal domain, and the two don't know that they really exist. Okay. And when they walk you through the setup of that and you sign up for that mail service and you're like, I want to use this, you think that they would make it really intuitive and be like, hey, if you want to do this, step one, step two, step three. Nope, they don't. Because they know that people are in a hurry. So they only hook up the absolute minimum to make mail work. Okay. Thinking that you'll come back later and now that you have a house to, so to speak, live in, do home improvement to make the house look better, clean it, make sure it runs right, do it, do its maintenance right, and keep things running smoothly. And people don't ever come back to do that. And Google doesn't remind you to come back and do that. And most web hosts don't care that your email isn't set up right to do that. And so you just run into a problem where it's, and it's alarmingly high, over 80% of the people that we work with do not have their current mail situation set up correctly. So if you're using GoDaddy or Gmail or whatever your web server or email server is, and obviously we should all be using upper-level hosting, and, and this probably makes a really great use case for why we should be using upper-level hosting. But that aside, on the back-end server side, not within our actual email applications, so not within Apple Mail, Microsoft Outlook, et cetera. But on the back-end server side, there may be settings that need to be tweaked, but I'm guessing that most of us have absolutely no idea how to do that. So do we have to reach out to support for something like that? Well, I believe in proactive management of things. So I believe that if you are paying somebody to do something for you, whether that's host your website or mow your lawn, you shouldn't have to remind them that the mower needs gas. Right. You shouldn't have to uh, teach them how to mow a lawn. That's why you're hiring them. So I believe that the company that you use should be proactive enough to check over things and say, this is right, this is not, this is right, this is not. You want to do these things. Let us help you do these things because that's why you're paying us. They, they being most companies, it's volume over need. Yeah. It just doesn't get done. No one no one is around to pick up the slack. And if you don't know that it needs to be done, you don't know to pick up the slack. I just talked with a friend of mine, been a friend for over a decade. And uh, he was talking about outbound, outbound marketing. And, and I think outbound marketing is one of the best things that people can do to be in charge and run their own sure. business. But if your email isn't set up right, and it's, you know, even if it's getting delivered, but maybe not consistently, because it's like... um. It's not like a digital signal where it either works or it doesn't. Um, email is graded kind of like a kid in school, right? And some kids make A's and some kids make D's. Right. Those are all passing, but the D's are super close to failing. And if anything else goes wrong, that they're going to fail. And so mail's the same way. It's, it's, it's graded on a 1 through 10 scale, 10 being perfect, 1 being obviously not Anything five or over is deliverable. Anything four or below is not deliverable. And anything between five and 10 that is deliverable, depending on where it is, has an increased propensity of being in spam. So 10 is never in spam, nine is never in spam, 
Eight is never in span. Okay. Seven, now it starts to matter how many links do they have? How many words do they have? How many images do they have? Do they have a fancy email signature? Six, all of a sudden, everything starts to matter. You better be gutting that email signature. You better not be having a lot of links. You better be straight up text only. Um, otherwise, the weight of the message affects that number two. That's why there's a sliding scale. If everything technically is set perfect, that gives you more flexibility in your links and your message and your e-signature and all of these things that could still keep you at eight or above and always deliverable. Okay. But if the technical stuff isn't right, and then you have links, and then you have an e-signature, and then you're on a Google product, and um, people who use Gmail and Google Workspace, they're all using the same IP addresses. So somebody that's spamming on Gmail can be affecting how your mail gets delivered on Google. And let's say that IP address has been blacklisted temporarily. All of a sudden, that knocks you down a point. Now your messages are not deliverable. You went from the D to the F. Okay. So, that's a lot of technical stuff to worry about. It's, it's, it, it sounds very complicated, yes. <laughs> we can make it very simple. Everything that you can control, control and make sure it's right. Right. That way, the things that are left that are subjective won't matter as much. Same thing is true in VO. It's a very sub subjective nature business. So take as many things out of the subjectivity as you possibly can you know, get good coaching, get good gear, be able to do your job, know how to act. Right. Right. And then that makes all the things that are subjective, not that they don't matter, they matter, but they matter less because at least, you know, I have a good product. I have honed my skills. I can deliver what people ask. And the same is true for your email. Anything that isn't subjective, that is technical in nature, make sure it's set up correctly. Mm -hmm. That way, when all these other little fluke things happen, they don't affect you. Okay. And that's why there's that sliding scale. They know these fluke things are going to happen. They know people are going to be a 10 today and an 8 tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And the goal isn't to penalize you. If you fix everything that can be fixed and take care of all of those things, then all those little subjective fluke things that come in and out that make the internet work won't affect you. And your marketing message will be heard. But you got to fix the things, the solid foundation, you know, the road that you're driving on. You want to make sure that those things are in good working order and take care of it. And if you don't know how to do it, you're not going to do it because you don't know what needs to happen. Right. And if you're with somebody that is hosting that doesn't check those things for you, you need to have a way to check it. And it's such a big problem that when you ask about this podcast, I'm like, we should build a tool for free for VO people to plug in their email address and it'll just tell them if they have a problem. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to make it easier. So we'll get to the tool because that's important. I want to talk about because the technical side I know can be really confusing. It can feel very stressful, very overwhelming for people. But there's a lot of things that are within our control that we can handle within email that are more on the content side. And there are certain things that are much more likely to trigger spam. So let's talk about some of the, the content side of things first. Now, you did mention subject lines. What do we need to be aware of with subject lines? Are there words? Are there phrases? Are there punctuation? Like, are there things that we can be doing in our subject lines that could be triggering those spam filters, or it could be the difference between an eight becoming a five or something like that? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, basically, you want to do everything that you're doing to emulate what you would do as a human. So if you're not going to type all caps and scream at your wife when you're sending an email to her about something. Right. 
then don't do that in your marketing message to your clients. Good tip. If you're not going to talk to, uh, you know, a family member and be like, you know, what are we doing tomorrow? All caps, six exclamation points. So I was like, that's not how we are, right? Right. So you want to stay away from those things that try to grab attention. Okay. Just be normal. Stay away from caps. Stay away from words like free. Stay away from things that would be filterable if you were searching. Unsubscribe, you know, sale, today only, uh, now, th those types of things. And just talk in your message like you were talking to somebody else you know. And, and even if you're doing mass marketing, I always start by opening up my email platform and typing one message on that topic like I was typing it to you. Then I take that and I put that in the mail platform because I find that helps me write a more authentic message like I'm talking yeah. to one person yep. when I start that by writing to one person. So yes, there are words and phrases and things you can stay away from. Don't overuse images. Don't overuse links. Um, make sure the sending address is coming from something uh, personal, meaning it's okay to maybe have an info if you need it or a booking if you need it. Um, if you're going to send a message to somebody and it's coming from you, then make it from you. Don't have Z89752hotness at gmail.com um, or, or whatever it is. <laughs> You know, you want to stay away from a free guarantee, opportunity, um, winner, um, amazed, like uh, your income. Think about every spam email you've ever gotten that has tried to uh, hook you in. You can have some symbols, but don't overdo it. Don't don't be throwing in. You can have an emoji in a subject line. That's okay. But again, be authentic. Talk to a human, just type. So this is interesting. I I, th I think I've just realized something. I, so I've been doing Free Advice Friday and I've been inviting guests to come on to Free Advice Friday. And I've sent a bunch of emails to, to different people that I thought would be a, a fun guest to have on Free Advice Friday. And for the subject line, I put Free Advice Friday guest. Not a single one of those emails has been responded to. And as I was checking through my, my tracking in my CRM, not a single one of those emails has even been opened. And so now you got me thinking, okay, uh, so this is, it's possible that that's going into spam, even though really it's not a spam message, but it's got the word free and free is a trigger word. If free is a trigger word and if free is in the subject line, then, then there are lots of things that are giving that email more look. Just because you have it doesn't mean it's going to go to spam. There are right. so many variables, right? And that's what I was talking about earlier. You can only control the variables that you can control, how something works, and then the rest is always in flux. But there's so much spam that happens around the world yep. that hosts and email providers do look for things they can grab onto to try to make it easier for your inbox to stay clutter free. And so you are, if, if that isn't stopping that message from being delivered, it is at least getting a lot more eyeballs from the machine to say, do we want to deliver this? How was this delivered? What program was used to send it? And then they're really drilling down to try to determine legitimacy between a real person or a marketing campaign. Interesting.
Interesting. And see, we're, this is where we're up against the robots too, right? Because it's not like there's people sitting around determining this stuff. There's people writing out algorithms or whatever, but ultimately it's AI and machine learning that's that's determining all this stuff. So emojis here are, are okay, but not excessively. Punctuation, okay, but not excessively. All caps, you're, you're saying, you know, certain trigger words we need to watch out for. So all of these things cover subject lines. This is We're going to have nothing left by the time we're done. What about attachments? Because this is a question that gets debated a lot because obviously we want to send demos. Now, my whole thing is I want to send people to my website to listen to my demos and then find out everything else about me that's not included in the email. But some people just want to send attachments. Cliff Zellman, him and I argue this all the time because he's like, don't send me to your website. Just send me an MP3. But I've heard that attachments can trigger spam filters. Yes, no, maybe, depends. So there's a difference between sending one singular MP3 demo to make something convenient for someone. Sure. And attaching six demos. Okay. Nine links. Fair. Four social media profiles. Yes. A fancy signature on top of that. Right. Mixed with clickable links that are in my signature that can play certain parts of my demo because in case they don't go to the website where they can do it from there. We can get in the habit of making things so convenient that we make the message lost. Right. And if you're doing something to where the message isn't heard, in this instance, read, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. I think Cliff is on point. It is okay to send a very well-optimized MP3 demo in an email for audio. I wouldn't do video. I wouldn't try pressing sizes. Every platform is different. Google might take things up to 50 megs. The point is, even if Google accepts it to send, the recipient, best world that you want to operate on, seven megs or smaller. Okay. Most companies choke off at 10, and you have to have part of the room left, okay, for the message and the subject line that adds to that file size. Sure. So I would never send any kind of attachment over six or seven meg. And if I were attaching a demo, then I would try to make other smart choices. Clean up the rest of your email, get rid of all those extra links, control those things that you can control. And when marketing to that person, um, you know, hey, so-and-so, here's my demo. Uh, if you're interested, here's my site, here's a signature, boom, I'm in and I'm out and I'm done. Forget all the social media. In those instances, maybe altogether, I'm going to get hammered on that because people are like, my branding, I get it. And your branding is important. But if the branding stops the message from being delivered, then you're defeating the point of what you're trying to achieve. Exactly. So it's not that branding isn't important. It's that don't allow things to get in the way of the purpose. And that's for this message to be read. But sending an MP3 demo under 7 meg is fine but there are also a lot of people who don't want that in their email box because it sucks up their storage space. Absolutely. And that's a big one for me. I mean, that's why outside of agents that are asking me to send auditions, pretty much all the audio that I send now, I send via a service like WeTransfer because it was, it was clogging up my available storage space in, in my inbox, which, which became a problem. We got to keep our emails out of spam, obviously, and that's why we're doing this episode right now. But before we can even worry about keeping our emails out of spam, 
we gotta be writing those emails and sending those emails, and maybe you're not even sure how to get to that point. I'm gonna be teaching a live webinar coming up on Tuesday, November 15th, and it is called 10 Marketing Commandments for the Veopreneur. This is foundational stuff, rules that you need to understand in order to be a more confident and effective marketer. And some of those rules are gonna be about email, some of those rules are gonna be about social media, and some of those rules are gonna be about marketing in general. This is the most accessible webinar I've ever done by lowering the price point to $47. Once again, happening live via Zoom, Tuesday, November 15th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Get the details at markscottcoaching.com to sign up. That's markscottcoaching.com and look for 10 marketing commandments for the VOpreneur. Now back to our show. I want to talk about signatures because this is a this is a pet peeve of mine. And I, I'm very curious to hear because you've, you've touched on it already, but let's dig into this a little bit deeper. Fancy coded signatures, the third party services that let you create, you know, beautiful graphics and they're like image mapped to, like you said, right? Certain parts linked to other parts and stuff like that. Uh, images, embedded content, people embedding YouTube videos, all of this sort of stuff. So for me, I just, it drives me nuts because I mean, 99 times out of a hundred, I'm checking my email initially on my phone and most of the time it doesn't look proper on my phone. So there's that. Then on the marketing side, you're just killing me because it's actually overkill. It's like you it's like you walked up to me at an event, grabbed me by the collar, started shaking me while you were getting right in my face, screaming that you have to read every little bit of my email and listen to my demos and you have to do it immediately. What about on the spam side? Well, any kind of links that you have, including in an email signature, any kind of images that you have, including in an email signature, all of that will weigh down on that spam score. Fancy signatures, everybody loves them. And I get it, like they're neat, but sometimes if fidget spinners are neat, okay? And they were like all the rave. <laughs> and my wife won't let me have one of right? those. And so I guess I shouldn't have a fancy email signature either. But what point do they serve, <laughs> right? Everybody had one yes. when they were hot. So now I'm gonna, this is a new analogy. I literally just made this up and I'm gonna use it from now on. Fancy email signatures are like fidget spinners. They were totally hot. Yeah. Everybody loved them. Everybody wants one, but they serve no purpose. They chain, they do not move the needle, really. Where is the data that says having an enhanced or fancy signature led to more revenue, more bookings, or show me a metric that matters to you that it moved the needle? Then let's have a discussion. Here's what happens yep. in the VO world. Everybody does what everybody else is doing. So if mm -hmm. I do something cool and other people look at it and they're like, oh, oh, that must be the thing then they grab onto it because other VO people are doing it. Just because yeah. another VO person is doing something doesn't there make it right to do. Do you have any idea how unpopular you and I are about to become in the world of emails because of all of the voice actors that have fancy signatures? Like my email signature is literally like straight text with a link to my website. And I think I have my phone number and I think that's about it. That's and exactly and I can, is. I cannot tell you that it has ever booked me voiceover work. I also cannot tell you that it has ever cost me voiceover work, but I know that it makes my emails look a lot cleaner. Like it is ridiculous to me when I get emails from people and, and, and I'm not just talking voice actors. I'm talking in general. It's like an email that has like a one line response. Like maybe they're responding to something that I've sent to them. And there's literally one sentence 
But then there's like this giant signature that takes up the whole freaking screen. And I'm like, this just feels so ridiculous and, and, and so overkill. So so we definitely should be evaluating our signatures. Now, I, I, personal preferences aside, I'm more concerned about the spam side of things and whether or not it's impacting on the spam side of things. And I have to wonder because, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the things that spam filters are looking for is phishing schemes. And mm-hmm. phishing schemes can often come in the form of embedded or hidden links. Yeah. And so if you have links that are embedded into an image-based signature, for example, can that potentially trigger a, a phishing filter? Absolutely. It can trigger spam filters. And, and especially if you're using URL shorteners where... You try yeah. to shorten the link because then they don't know what's behind the link. And that is a huge trigger. Listen, fancy signatures look great. I get it. I watched this guy on TikTok. I'm sure everyone has seen it. Very relatable. Where he's doing the Zoom meetings on all these different things. He has a screen, green screen behind him and he's riding a motorcycle or he's water skiing or uh, he's doing all these different you know things while he's pretending to be in this Zoom room. I feel like that, that's what this fancy signature uh, thing has become uh, is that we're professional people, but we, we, we add on all this circus clown dressing that I just don't think moves the needle. But you can do it a right way and you can do it a bad way. And I think sure. that is where sure. a lot of the disconnect becomes. So yes, you can do it and keep branding intact, still keep things minimal. There's a reason that minimum uh, minimalism in both design and in how you know things are executed are, are preferable. Yeah. But just if you put in work to do a signature the right way, then you can still have what you want, have your cake, eat it too, and it can still be deliverable. However... We don't want to put in that work. We want to use this online, quick, third-party, fancy, free thing. And remember, if you're not paying for the product, you're the product. It may create something that looks good, but the code that is behind that, that shows up to the machine, is 800 to 1,000 pages long. Somebody sent me a 3D image signature the other day, and when they sent it to themselves on their iPhone it showed up as all these special characters of like over a thousand lines on their iPhone at the top of their email message, not at the bottom, even though that's where the signature is located is at the bottom because the way this code generated is head first at the top. So the person got this email of all this nonsense that they scroll and your message is at the bottom. Who do you think scrolls through a thousand line? They they hit, they're like, what is this garbage delete? So a regular text-based email signature may not bring more bookings or voiceover work. But I can say from the data that it is not going to stop your message from being read if you keep a simple signature. And if that message is read more, I will say that logically that's going to lead to more revenue. You can try to market yourself to look genius, but it end up costing you money at the end of the day. I think the the other big thing that you have to take into consideration with all of this, and, and I've mentioned it earlier, is the mobile friendliness factor, right? People are viewing their messages. At least initially, most of us are viewing our messages on our phone. And Google in particular, I know like everything gets judged on mobile friendliness, right? Like how your website ranks in the search engine gets judged on mobile friendliness. And so if your email signatures, and this goes for everything, subject lines too, right? If you write a really, really long subject line that gets cut off, But if you have a really large 
email signature that's that's creating a larger file size it's harder to download like so all of these things are, are, are factors that get taken into consideration right and it sucks up room on my phone because it yeah. downloads a copy of the message so i might have a 128 gig iphone but if someone if everyone starts sending seven meg attachments uh I'm going to start, you know, running out of space on my phone. Forget about the email service that I may have plenty of room on. But yep. uh, but yeah, it, not only the subject line gets cut off, I can't tell you how many emails I look at. I don't see the whole email. I see the yep. subject line and I see the first six, eight, ten words in my preview. And yep. I did just like listening to an audition. First six, eight, ten seconds. If I don't like it, I'm gone, right? Yep. If your message doesn't look legitimate in the first six, eight, ten words, whether it's on a preview screen on my computer or phone, or if I'm actually looking at the email, then I'm out of it. Um, you know, so keep it, I believe, as simple as possible, right. at least until you ensure everything is working and running well. Then you could say, all right, I'm going to add this. How is that going to affect that? And you can start to look at things. But I don't know, man. People just, uh, they want to turn their email and their signature and the marketing message into an all-you-can-eat buffet table. Yeah. And what happens is people eat so much, they get full, and it's never a good sign when they go home. And it, you just you just can't expel, I, I'll use that word, that much information and have it be appetizing to people. So it's too much. Let's talk about, because we, we did mention um, embedded links. And so I just want to clarify that for people that maybe don't understand the concept of the embedded link. What we're talking about here is if I want to drive traffic to my website, for example, I would say, listen to my demos at my website at markscottvoiceover.com and actually type out markscottvoiceover.com as opposed to saying, listen to my demos by clicking here and then making the clicking here what's clickable. That if I'm understanding it correctly, is much more likely to trigger spam because that comes across like phishing, right? Because it's a hidden link. Is that is that accurate? Uh, kind of, sort of. So it's, okay. it's, it's, a, it's not a hidden link because the machine still sees it, just a human doesn't. Uh, and it highlights the words. But that's overkill. Um, I would just, you know, listen, type it out like you said. And, and you don't even have to link it. Even if it doesn't show up as a link in your program, if you put in HTTPS colon, two forward slashes, you yep. don't even need the dubs, leave that out, you know, uh, markscottvoiceover.com, and you hit space, when you send it, the email program that I am using to read it will know that's a link and it will make it clickable. Um, so I would definitely prefer that because for a few things, instead of click here, and I don't know where here is going to take me because I'm a human. The machine sees the link, but a human doesn't. But human doesn't, which makes it a concern. You, you yeah. could be rickrolling me, man. You could be sending yes. me anywhere. So yep. that can set off the human alarm filter of right. what am I clicking and where am I going? Okay. Um, but not only, but if you want to talk about branding, when you put your website in there, it's a one more place that you're saying, this is my website. You see it, you read it, you know yep. it, you love it, yep. learn it. So just make it a link and right. then maybe examine, does it even need to be said? People are curious. You can be like, I, I send outbound email marketing asking questions, and, and maybe we'll touch on that. Maybe we won't. But I do not send an email message that says, I'm a voiceover pro this many years, home studio, blah, blah, blah. Here's my website. Go here. Listen. All that's in my signature line. It has my name. It has my Source Connect ID. It has my email address. It has my website. 
if you sent me an email and your message is on point and I'm intrigued, I'm going to want to learn more about who sent me the message. How yep. do I learn more about who sent me the message? I look at your signature and I'm going to click the link that's there. Yep. So sometimes things don't need to even be said or called out. Just put your ask up front and then try to have your stuff be deliverable. And just maybe pick three things you want to do and only do those in that particular set of the message. And that's where I think people go wrong. Trying to put it all in. Is they attach the video, they attach yep. the image, they have the fancy thing. They try to put everything into this pie and eat it all at once. And it's just like, no. Cliff wants a demo. Great. So maybe you do a round where you send just an email with a text-based plain signature and you attach your MP3 demo. See how you actually get real replies or real booking from that once you make sure these technical things are taken care of. So we're kind of A-B testing, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. And then the next time, have a link to your signature. Maybe you toss in a fancy signature. See what kind of actual reply that you get. Pixel tracking, hidden pixels will totally set off spam filters. And the data is nonsense. Google loads images by default. Even if you don't read it, their algorithm does. So it will trigger read receipts. Microsoft products on the business side do not load images by default. So every time I view your message, even though I've read it, you will never get notified. So the data on that stuff is bad on both sides of the yeah. equation. Again, it's a metric that doesn't move the needle. If you're not getting another booking or you're not getting a reply from me or a job or money, then it isn't moving the needle. What we're talking about here too, just, just to be clear, we're talking about, so you're, you're using a CRM that sends emails and your CRM will track whether or not an email is getting opened or clicked. And what you're saying is that, that tracking pixel that is embedded into those emails the data that you're getting back is not 100% foolproof and accurate. So if you send 100 emails and you're like, oh, 75 of them got opened, that may or may not actually be the case at all, right? It's this not even 20% accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It is injecting more stuff into your email code that is going to trigger spam filters fact. Yep. And the data that you're getting in exchange for that reduction in your mail delivery score it's only valid 20% of the time, you're being sold a feature and it sounds cool, but it's doing more harm than good. And it isn't, it isn't leading to anything that's gonna move the needle or any good for you. It's just doing right. more harm than good. But you can do A-B testing and focus on real replies or responses you get back from real human beings. So you do uh, 25 emails with a fancy signature, 25 emails with a with a text signature, or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe you got to do more 50 or 100 to get a real accurate result. But that's what we're saying. Do 25 or 50 one way, and then do the same amount a different way, right? A touch is a touch is a touch. Yep. My first, I love to ask questions in my marketing emails. Yep. I would send an email with a text-based signature. Uh, you know, hey, Mark, I went to your website, whatever the blah, 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 whatever the opening thing is. And then I would say, I'd love to be able to stay in contact, but I want to make sure I'm doing it the right way. Do you prefer a link to my site or do you, or would you like me to attach you a, yep. uh, MP3 demo Yep. for your consideration and however you want to work the verbiage, right? We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not here to talk about a template construction of email classes, but I would love someone to send me that type of message. I would love someone to be that considerate 
And if I'm interested, I'm going to reply and tell you how that I want to be communicated. And that is where then you can use any product, your brain, yep. CRM, spreadsheet, whatever, to note that person's preference. Yep. And from that day forward, you should communicate with that person on their preference. By the way, everybody, Cliff wants a demo in their email. So when you email Cliff, give him a demo. Give him a demo. Okay, let's talk about group messages because I think this is an interesting one. So there's different ways to send group messages. One is using a third-party service like a MailChimp or Drip or ConvertKit or Aweber, you know, any of these mass email marketing programs. And there is back-end technical stuff that I do not understand, but it allows you to send email, one email to 10,000 people all at once with, you know, much higher probability of deliverability, as opposed to there are certain CRM systems that allow you to do group messages up to a certain number, maybe 50 or 100 or something like that. But those emails all send as individual emails simultaneously from your email inbox. One is good, one is bad. Help us understand that. So you're, you touched on it exactly right. There are multiple ways to send emails in a mass or automatic fashion. Not only that, but so if you're sending one message to 10,000 people using a MailChimp, Constant Contact, uh, CRM system, whatever it is, there may be a hundred of those products that all send that message a different way. Right. And there are good ways to send that message and there are bad ways to send that message. And the first question that comes to mind is how are you the end user gonna know if this product is sending that message in a good way or a bad way? And that is where going with something you understand how it works or do small batch testing and check those response rates. Because I will tell you, if a mail service is sending out of their server, gigantic red flag. Google, uh, upper level, and everybody else under the sun knows what MailChimp, Constant Contacts, Drips, mail servers are. And we do not treat them the same as mail coming from you. Okay. Um, you said once, Mark, that you're going to take an email that comes from brad at upperlevelhosting.com way more serious than you're going to take an email that comes from rbj745 at hotmail.com. Right. Um, and, and the servers do the same thing. We are okay. going to take mail that legitimately comes from your mail account right. much more seriously than we are going to take from uh, a company that is mass marketing mail out of their servers. So as simple as I can make it is this. You need to understand if that message is being sent from your actual email account or yeah. if it is being sent from this third-party mail company's servers. If it's being sent from this third-party mail company's servers, I personally would not use that service because 40% of your messages are out the window. Maybe 60% is going to be looked at. Uh, because the server is making decisions before the human even sees it on if it's important. Okay. I would always send mail where it comes out of my mail server, whether I was sending it one-off individually from my Outlook, my Google Workspace account, um, my Apple mail program, my phone, or I was using a product that connected directly to my mail um, account and sent those messages one at a time on my behalf, but 
was sent from the computer. So l let me give it a one, two, three thing approach to summarize. Okay. One, sending out of another company's mail servers, even though it looks like it's coming from you, bad. Stay away from it if you can. Okay. Two, using your email address and putting 50 people in the BCC to send that message, bad. Stay okay. away from that. Send mail one off on your own account or send mail through a provider or program that you use that connects to your mail account to send that mail one off. That's what you want to do for best readability and deliverability. Okay. So what about with a CRM that allows you to send group messages? So say you, you can type a, a, you type one message and it allows it to, you can choose 50 contacts. So you mm -hmm. click the contacts, you type the message, you hit send. You go over to your email program and now you see 50 individual emails. So they've been sent individually, but they've all been sent at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Good, bad, maybe. Could be good, not necessarily bad. However, if all 50 recipients that you sent to are all on Google's network and they all did happen within the same 10 seconds, Google is smart enough to realize you, uh, Mark Scott, sent 50 email messages in under 10 seconds. Can Mark Scott as a human send 50 individual emails in 10 seconds? No, he cannot. Now you're getting further scrutiny. Okay. It's saying, okay, are the message all template-based uh, template and maybe just a few things changed? Are they completely different messages where they were like Mark typed 50 drafts and went send, 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 send. And they're all really different messages. Okay. Likely they're templated based. So you're getting more scrutiny now because only the name has changed. At the end of the day, that is going to hurt you a bit. It isn't going to stop the message from being, being deliverable. We talked earlier, five or greater gets delivered. If right. you had a perfect 10 because all your technical things were great, and then you did that, you're maybe down to a seven or an eight. You're hitting okay. the inbox. The human doesn't know the difference. Okay. If you do that, and all your technical P's and Q's are not minded, and you started a seven, and now you're at a four because you did that, nobody's seeing any of them. Okay. So everything plays together, which is why I say control those technical aspects first. Get those things right. Otherwise, you're standing on the street corner with a bullhorn trying to talk to people, but there's no one there. Right. You're talking to nobody, so you're wasting your time. You at least need to make sure you have the audience that they're going to see that message before you start talking to them. So get those technical things right, then you can maybe do that. If it were me, I would use a program that said, I want to send one message every 10 seconds because I want these companies, they're processing volumes and volumes, millions of mail messages. Sure. Their mail queue kind of has amnesia. It might get 10,000 messages in, and then it processes those. Let's say it takes four seconds. The mail queue doesn't remember what it processed four seconds ago. It has amnesia, it forgot. When you just sent 50 messages all within the same first four to 10 seconds, it's able to see all of them because they all happen as one cue and it's able to make decisions based against you. Okay. But if I send a message and then 10 seconds later, I send another message, I've waited enough time for their cue to finish processing. And it doesn't know that I sent that message 10 seconds ago. So I'm not giving it anything to hold on to. 
if if you walk into a bodega and ask for a bologna sandwich just once, the guy isn't going to remember you at the end of the day because he had so many people ask for that. If you yep. walk in every 10 minutes and ask for that bologna sandwich, you're going to wonder what you're doing with him. He's going to be looking at you funny because yep. you're showing up at his counter an awful lot. Yep. And that's the same thing for spam. If The more you space it out and the more you do things like a human, like normal, the more these machines are not going to remember you and the better off you're going to be. So bottom line, use a message or use a service that allows you to spread those messages out in more of a human way. Maybe not use the one that lets you send 50 all at once. Maybe use the one that lets you send 50 a day and sends, I don't know, three an hour. So, all right. Let's. We got to get a little technical again now. I, this, this, I'm trying I'm to trying, keep up. I'm trying to. Not no, keep you're doing it like great, a, but I'm like, is... it's like, wow, this is a lot to. This is a lot to process. So we, we've we've covered off subject lines. We know the things that we should and shouldn't do in subject lines. We've got a better idea of what we should and shouldn't do on the content side. Right. We need to be cautious of content. We need to be cautious of sending too many emails. How how those emails get sent. So we we've got that side of things done. But you've also talked about the score. Right. If you're a 10, your email is always going to land. If you're a five, your email is not. So two things. One, how do we determine our score? And two, how do we start to correct it if we've screwed the pooch in the past? So the first thing to summarize the whole first half of this that it will tie in here that I want everybody to take away is keep it as simple and as clean as you possibly can. Because if you do that, you're only going to help yourself and set yourself up for success. Right. If you need to complicate something because someone needs something a certain way, or you really feel that this is that critical to your business, then add in that little bit of complication, but see where else you can simplify things. So just try to keep them as simple as possible. On the technical side, you need to make sure everything is just done right. How do you know? You don't. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you a way to do it, but it's really complicated. Like send a message from one address to another address and then open it and then find a way to read the headers and then look at the headers. And it will tell you the XPAM score in the head. People don't even know how to open headers. Yep. They don't even know that that's part of a thing. So that's one of the reasons when, when we had this conversation uh, briefly about you always getting asked, how, to, how can I keep my messages out of spam? I'm like, all right, there should be a check engine light that tells me there's a problem and yep. there isn't one. And so the easiest way to find these problems is to use a, a tool that will act like a check engine light to alert you to a problem if there is one. And, and that's what we're, we're literally building it right now. And it's free. Um, you could utilize a tool like that to find that score. That's where that's going to come from without you knowing a bunch of technical stuff on where to look. So you that don't makes me know very happy. you use a tool. I don't want to have to know the technical stuff. It makes my brain hurt. So it makes me very happy to know that there's just a thing that I can click and done. And so tell us more about that. So it's called mailcheck-tool.com because you want to check your mail and it's a tool. <laughs> so... The marketing geniuses at upper level <laughs> decided. I'm actually kind of surprised that that domain was available. That and about 20,000 <laughs> other ones I snatched up. <laughs> I've got a domain problem. So you can go to mailchecktool.com and you okay. will be able to either put in your domain address 
or your email address and figure out if your check engine light is on. Now, there's only so much we're going to be able to do to show people like, hey, there's a problem. And we're going to say, if this is wrong, here's what you need to do to correct it in a way that will be palatable to you, the end user. Meaning there are three keys that are required for your mail to be authenticated to be sent. So think of it like three keys for you to walk into your home so you can prove you are who you are, okay? And you gotta unlock all three of those deadbolts in order to get a perfect 10. If one of those criteria are not fixed, we're gonna say, this isn't right. And then we're gonna say, this is what needs to be added or corrected. And then we're going to do our best to link you to the help article or the support for your particular company. So if you use Google Workspace Mail, something is wrong with that. We're going to say, here's what we found wrong. Here's what should actually be in the record. Here's a knowledge base article from Google that talks more about it. And here's how you can get free support from Google. Because if you are in a Google Workspace account, because you pay for the platform, they offer support for free. So even if you don't know what you need to tell them, you can basically connect to their support if you can't follow the other steps. And we're going to give you like a little paragraph to basically copy and paste to them in chat. And you're going to copy it and paste it. And it's going to say, the DKIM for my domain doesn't seem to be hooked up correctly. Can you help assist me with that? And then they're going to either do stuff for you or they're going to walk you through, preferably with a screen share, and help you set those things, whether that is Google, whether that's Microsoft, whether you're hosting with some other web host. We're going to do our best to be as friendly as possible to all of these different brands and keep that updated so you can have an easy check engine light to look at these I mean, if we were all just hosting with upper level, then it would just make life so much easier. So, you know, everybody should just go to upperlevelhosting.com and then that would solve all the problems. But I want to see if I've got this correct. So let me go go with this analogy. Voice123. Everybody knows that Voice123 is algorithm driven. And everybody knows that if you do not use the site properly, you audition too much, you don't get enough likes or whatever, you can go from the top 10% down to the the, the bottom Mm -hmm. 10%. You get to the bottom 10%, you're not seeing the auditions, or you're seeing them late, or you're seeing them after everybody else has already submitted or whatever. But as you start to correct behavior, you slowly start to work your way back up, bottom 20, bottom 30, bottom 40, and eventually you can work your way back up to the top again. Will it work the same with email? If you've, if you've really messed up in the past and you've done all the things wrong that you shouldn't have done, if you start doing the things right... Do you start to, can you improve your score over time? Does it work that way? Or are there things like, are you going to have to actually do something, sign up with a new email address or some crazy thing to really just push the reset for button? For most people, it does work that way and it is correctable. I say for most okay. people. There are, I, I'm thinking about three accounts off the top of my head where I know that that person has to pull the ejection lever and they have, they're going to have to eject mid-flight, and they're going to have to get in another plane. The good news is your life is not over. You're not going to die from it, and you can start over. Much like, I like analogies, much like a pilot that's flying a plane. If the plane gets out of control, most of the time it can be corrected. But sometimes that plane is so out of control, it ain't worth saving. Eject. 
eject, eject. Um, right. There will be 10 people, maybe out of 10,000, that are going to have to pull that ejection lever. They're at that level. Most people, right. if you correct this, um, you're good to go. And that may, the correction okay. may involve literally moving to a different web host if your IP address has just been burned so bad because the company that right. they're with is so bad that they're not helping anybody do any of that. That IP gets flagged for all those people sending spam, for their bad habits, for their bad tech. It be becomes known as a problem, so to speak, in the industry. And you're best sure. off to uh, walk away from that problem and tie your domain to a different ride as part of your okay. fix. You may not have to. Okay. Uh, we want to do this for free. We're going to make it automated and we're going to you know, offer the predefined support that's there. This is to let you know if that check engine light soon is there, it light is on. Yes, you can fix it. Will you have to put in a little bit of work? Yeah, unless you hire a company that does those things and checks the boxes and does it well, then you're going to have to make sure that that works. If you're driving a car, you got to make sure there's gas in it and oil in the engine. It's just part of operating the car. So the, the good news in all of this, because I know this sounds really overwhelming, the, the good news in all of this is that there's ways or there will be a way that we can figure out whether or not we're, we're in a problem situation. And there are ways that those problem situations can be resolved. And odds are that your problem has not become so great that you're screwed. And so it's just a matter this. of changing some behaviors, little tweaks here and there. So mail check tool.com. This is the website. I'll put it in the show notes so that everybody can check it out. Mailcheck.tool.com. Uh, what are we talking about here? Like, can we, are we checking a couple of messages or is there, how's it, how's it going to be set up for me? You stay, is there like a free and a premium or what, what's that going to happen? No. Nope. So, so what I'd like to do is allow people to understand and resolve their technical issues for free. So you're going to go there, you're going to type in your email address or your domain you're going to run that check engine and it's going to report back issues technically that you need to solve and we'll try to lay out that way forward. Okay. That's what we call an MVP, which is a minimum viable product. Okay. It's a great service to people. It's a wonderful thing. Yep. Um, I have told this since you and I have talked, Mark, uh, shared this idea with a handful of people who have immediately, because we love shortcuts, said, well, how do I know if the, once the technical things are squared away, the spamminess of my message, how do I know if that fancy signature is hurting with all these other links and these social things? Because I really want all these things, but I want to know if those are going to cause problems sure. too. Sure. We are going to continue to build this to where it will analyze your message through a real mail server, and it will tell you what that real mail server would have weighted the actual message with all of your stuff and your tech combined. So now we're giving you like a, like a test pilot on uh, how well is the receiving machine liking what you're doing with everything combined because this is a very complicated recipe. And if people want to do that, um, then if you're an upper level hosting client, obviously you're going to have that for free more than likely. Uh, if you use our CRM, you're going to have some runs for free, but it is going to be based off of runs. Why? It's not because I want money, but it's because I'm paying a developer to write this that we really don't need. This is for everybody else's need. 
And so it it, it shouldn't put me in a hole. No, of course and not. So we are going to let people run checks. How we do that as we continue to move forward, I think we'll let um, the voiceovers of the world tell us. Some people may not want checks, so run the tech stuff for free, always for free, will always be there. Some people may say, I- I'm going to buy five pack of checks and I can use those forever like they never expire and we'll keep it cheap. Yep. Great. Some people that market all the time may be like, dude, I want to, you know, make sure I can tweak this message and hammer out 50, 60, 80, 100 checks a month. So maybe maybe they're throwing $5 a month in the tip hat jar or something okay. along those lines. So we're going to try to make it easy for everybody and give people what they need, not make it a moneymaker, but at least make it as self, uh, self-sufficient as far as development goes, because I think it would be an important tool to the people in the VO community with their tech, with their stack set up, with then how they're going to market, not only with the things that we talked about today, but in the things that are ever changing. Sure. Because fancy signatures, what they are today, may not be what they are tomorrow, may not be whatever. Um, so this will evolve as time evolves, and yep. people will be able to check what they want, how they want, and when they want. Right on. All right, Brad, this is awesome. So again, the website, mailcheck-tool.com. I'll get it in the show notes so you, you won't have to miss it. This has been incredibly insightful, Brad, and I know that it, it got a little technical there at times, but it's got to be, you know, th- there's a technical element to this, but there's also a lot of really easy, actionable, practical strategies that we can put into our emails and how we're composing our emails that are going to help to improve our likelihood of getting that deliverability that we're looking for. So this has been fantastic. I think this has been a great dry run. Are you ready to now do this? Now we're going to do it again and, and we're going to simplify it. So we'll simplify it. We'll take it down another layer. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really tried. I know it's, it's a lot guys. Like I know it's a lot, but massive takeaways. If we can fix your technical stuff, yep. right. Then keep your messaging as simple as possible. Do some AB testing as you complicate it. Yep. And only if that testing shows that it moves the needle for you, Mm -hmm. keep that complication. Right on. That's my summary. There you go. Summarized in nice, easy, bite-sized pieces that you can handle. Brad, this has been absolutely great. And uh, I'm so glad that we bumped into each other at VO North and had the conversation that started this whole thing. So uh, that's going to, it's, this tool is going to be a real benefit to voice actors as well. So thank you for the work that you're putting into that. As soon as we're done with, with this, I'm going to keep you on the line for a second. I'm going to run your email through this alpha version I'm using uh, that is now live for everybody by the time this episode airs. We're going to see if your email's busted we'll, up, we'll, but I'm not going to put you on blast. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. This has been great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for all you do to the community. I really hope you got some good information out of this, and I also hope that it's given you some tips that you can start applying immediately. They're going to help you to get better delivery and open rates on your emails we got to keep those marketing messages out of the spam folder. Did you enjoy this episode? Would you let me know that you're listening? Tag me in your Instagram story. It's at Mark Scott. I would love to see that you are listening and show me where you're listening and how you're listening as well. Tag me at Mark Scott. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO Pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. 
We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service and not a single negative complaint ever. UpperLevelHosting.com And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more VOPreneur goodness? Jump online at VOPreneur.com.